best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal as a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out everything they got going on. They always got something fun cooking over at OsirisPod.com. In this episode, we celebrate the fifth season of Fargo, the anthology, dark comedy, crime drama, television series created by Noah Hawley. This amazing season is set in Minnesota and North Dakota in the fall of 2019. It stars Juno Temple as Dorothy Dot Lyon, a seemingly typical Midwestern housewife living in Scandia, Minnesota, whose mysterious past comes back to haunt her after she lands in hot water with the authorities. John Hamm also stars as menacing North Dakota Sheriff Roy Tillman, who has been searching for Dot for many years. Other cast members include Jennifer Jason Lee as Dot's wealthy and conservative mother-in-law, Lorraine Lyon, David Risdale as Dot's innocent, loving husband, Joe Carey as Roy's loyal son, Gator, Lamorne Morris as Deputy Whitfar, and Sam Sproul as the mysterious drifter, Old Munch. What a tremendous season it was. Season five was incredible and so much to get into. So I have River Jordan back on the program with me. She's the host of a new podcast called God on the Rocks, which we talk about briefly at the start of our conversation. And then we really dig in on Fargo season five. Let's get it going. Um, River, welcome back to the party. I am so, so excited about this episode. You know how I feel about Fargo. I think anyone out there who listens knows how I feel about Fargo. So thank you. It has been a fun ride. I mean, all the way. Yep. Just wild. Yeah, a wild, wild. ride. I can't wait to kind of, you know, uh, take that ride again as we go through here. Before we go, I really want to bring something up because you have a great podcast that um, that's that's newish and that I've I've had the privilege to be on. Uh, I've had the uh, you know honor of pulling up a seat at your bar uh, on um, the God on the Rocks podcast. And one of the reasons I do bring it up here, not only because it's great and I want to shine a light on it, is that um, the most recent episode, it, it was dedicated to this season of Fargo. So it's a nice companion piece after after someone listens to this, they can go and listen to that. But can you tell us a little bit about what happens uh, on God on the Rocks? You mean uh, the podcast overall? Like how did yeah. it come to be? Yeah, just what, 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 what can listeners expect when they tune well, in over there? I tell you what, it was, um, it, the title comes from, from an incredible song called God on the Rocks, like a bluesy number. I don't have the rights to it right now, or it would uh-huh. be the theme song, right? So if you, if anyone listens to God on the Rocks, the song on Spotify or wherever you get your music, right? Then you'll definitely get the feel for why that title for the podcast came up. But the other thing is, as As an author and writer being on book tour for so many years, I love the moment that writers got through with our speeches and our signings and our, I loved all that too. Don't get me wrong about that. But then part of the deal of being on the road was then going with other authors Mm -hmm. at festivals or at book events that we were at and seeing people on the road that you haven't seen for years. And we go to a bar and we sit down and drink, you know, bourbon or whiskey or whatever we're drinking. And we have these talks about the things we really love and we're passionate about. So what I wanted to do was recreate that atmosphere so that people could listen in to authors or musicians or artists, creative people talking about the other things they love. Because what's really shocking is... Like I have a friend who um, is a novelist and she writes these incredible dark fairy tales and I'm going to wrap this up right now. No, 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 you're killing, go. But I did not know what Nick Cave, the musician Nick Cave meant to her and how every season of his work has spoken to a different season in her life. Mm -hmm. And I found that fascinating. And so I spent over 15 years interviewing writers about their writing process 
and and I, I've kind of done that. But what I really love is talking to them about Prince or about Kermit McCarthy or about you, you. Oh, my gosh, we've been podcasting. You know, we've been podcasting for a couple of years and I didn't know you were an arborist. Yeah. And so you were the inaugural guest, you mm -hmm. know, you were the inaugural traveler that comes to this virtual blues jazz bar. jazz bar and it was so much fun yeah, yeah. so many different topics you you're talking about on 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 the show i'm like i said it's i'm i'm a fan i really think it's great and i'm glad to glad to discuss it a little bit here in the most recent episode talks about fargo you you and uh, the traveler who visits the bar really get into it it's a great great listen and it's your passion for the 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 season and the show really shine through and so it'd be fun to kind of kick off what um you know, loaded question, and we're going to be breaking it all down. But re what really got you? Because it's obvious uh, from that listen that you love this season. What really got you? In the end, yeah. What comes around is what Dot is talking about in the very beginning, in the back of that police car, when she says, "I'm worried about," and I I didn't rewatch that. I wanted to rewatch it this morning so I could get it correct but i'm just going to paraphrase but she talks about how she's concerned about neighbor being against neighbor and how we're breaking down we're not a, a community anymore mm -hmm. and it comes full circle when we get to the end where she's saying the same thing again it doesn't have to be this way we Absolutely. can write the story yep. and so i deeply feel that for this year, this season, um, our political life, where we're at as a country, I, and I, so I'm not going to say any more right now because we may get into more about that as we begin to examine different characters. Yeah, now that's so perfectly said, and it is beautiful. I mean, it does start off in that huge, huge uh, fight at the school board, and um, you know, my first thought was like, "It's back!" I'm just so happy to be in this weird world. Your move by Yes is playing, but it is. It's. It made itself slow so slow mo, slow -mo picks. It just looked beautiful. Um, it is. It's. It. They really let you know they're gonna live in this current era. It's. Um. It's Minnesota 2019. It's. I believe it's the most current of all the Fargos, but it's so, so timely. I mean, even to the point where, um, you know, soon after, uh, we meet, um, you know, the mother Jennifer Jason Lee playing Lorraine so wonderfully and so intensely, you know. She makes a joke, let's put the cross dresser in the middle as they take a picture with their gun, something we've seen time and time again lately. It just, it really put us in the moment and you could tell he wasn't gonna shy, no, uh, Holly, the um, showrunner wasn't gonna uh, shy, uh, you know, uh, uh, shy away from from saying something about our current moment and, and what it could be and what it is and, you know, the threats that we're facing and everything like that. It was, it's like, it's, it's, it, it felt fun in that way, the, the currency of it. And, and there was a lot of poignancy that came from that. Um, it was just, and another thing that struck me immediately was just how capable Dot was and who Dot was and, you know, how much fun we're going to have with Juno Temple in this, this thing. It was unbelievable to see just, you know, kind of the way she was, uh, you know, it wasn't her first getaway, as we found out, which great foreshadowing. This first episode was so loaded. And I was wondering if we could do this a little bit. I mean, we'll speak generally as we go through, but I just love this season so much. And I'd love to dance through the episodes a little bit and bring up something to, I think it'll lead us towards discussion points or something, but just how loaded that first episode was with, um, you know, what happened at the gas station and just, you know, her becoming uh, just this kind of superhero that we, we, we rooted for and, and, and just, just, kind of fell in love with the entire way as complicated as she was and that all began in episode one what 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 struck you like as as that episode ended and we went through the gas station scene and you were set up for the rest of the rest of the season what were you thinking there wow i was thinking um i couldn't believe when i went back i thought that the first episode was two episodes. I didn't, I thought her kidnapping was in episode two. Wow. I went back to rewatch it and I went, oh my God, all this happened in the first episode. And I think the moment that she gets up and uses the skate is, is I mean, she'd already done, you know, the, light, the lighter and the hairspray. Yeah, and that, that torch. 
And, uh -huh. and, and surely everyone who fears being kidnapped is taking notes of, oh, yeah, I need to be sure I have a lighter and some <laughs> the ice cubes, the whole thing. <laughs> ice skate, Andy. But the yeah. ice skate moment, and you think, you think she's going to best them and get away, and then she ends up in the back seat. And yeah. um, one of the moments that stood out to me in that is when the truck gets pulled over, the guy gets out, he shoots one of them, she gets out. And she's running and you would think she stops at the police car, but she has sense enough to know yep. there's no Where that ends. to keep running, you know, yep. to, as long as she can run to somewhere else. And and I I like that little attention to detail, you know, yeah. and, and it really set up Wit's character so well from God, the beginning, you know. Um yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the major major themes we deal with um, that I think is going to come up a, a time and time again is this idea of debt, and that the, from that moment, Wit felt, and this kind of came his undoing in, in a very tragic way that really affected me. Wit really believed he owed her his life for saving for saving him. He had a debt, and there's so many different debts that are associated with people throughout, and that that it, it did set up because not only did you get to see you know, in real time, how capable she was, but like we knew there was a reason she was so good at this. And it was just the intrigue of what, what happened before. And, you know, we knew we were gonna get that story of, of what happened and the way we finally got to know that story, I can't wait to talk about, cause it's some of the most, you know, it's some of the most unique storytelling I've ever seen. It involves puppets, which is really cool. But as loaded as episode one was, we didn't really get to know this gentleman known as Roy Tillman who we got to know really, really well in episode two. And just that character, and this is John Hamm's character, it's just, what a great turn for him. This, I think this is, this is you know, that, that glare of his and this just the menacing nature of it. We've seen him in some intense roles. This is something he, he that, that I don't think I've seen him in, seen him lean into this, you know, kind of evilness. I mean, we, we just, you know, he's obviously like a far right Republican, maybe more of like a, a wild libertarian of some oh, way. Yeah. But... It's he's not, of course. Uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to <laughs> hard to say what anybody is anymore. Yeah. But um, I don't think he believes in any party but the party of him. You no know, question. that's a, that's yeah. really well put. And just yeah, I mean, just uh, just the menacing nature of of who he believes he is when he's talking. You know, some of these first voiceovers, just as water flows downhill. A man is the head of the household and under him the woman abides there's a lot of, there's so many um crazy medicine lines i'm gonna bring them up as we go through and dance through the season um you, you know he they're kind of funny too the one that he uh mentions to that guy who who abused his wife was tommy you did a tommy lee drum solo over your mistress's facade or something like that and it's just it's really um you know it's 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 such a different you know, John, then we've seen and, you know, and then he, we got to see him as uh, Rush is playing a working man in a hot tub. And, um, you know, we got to see the, the you know, the, the nipple rings and the whole thing and just what... him rings, man. Um, yep. That was that was a fun story for everyone. That was, that was a that was a fun touch. I listened to I think I listened to an interview with Noah Hawley about where that decision came from i think yeah. but it was it was uh and i it added that little detail added so much to went this a long way yep. yeah it, it it uh it just put him in another stratosphere from being you know a regular old you know whatever oh. you know yeah. share you know from there's a complexity there there's fetishes involved there's yes. different things the yes. um, the nipples were fake um he's he's been um you know asked about, asked about him a bunch and he's got and he goes the crew doesn't get enough credit but there was uh there was a dedicated uh nippleologist is what he said <laughs> um and i love noah when he did talk about it you know they're asking why why this touch and his response is we all live in a tiger king america you know this is this is this is not it's not unique that this would be the case that this man would be thing but um really interesting to see him that way and that episode really really focused on that and you know we're starting to get this um uh you know more dot and and the home alone of home aloning of the house happens in that episode which i thought was just 
tons of fun and it's telling us more about who she is and you know this is halloween crept into that and and that shows up amazingly and and kind of the assault on the house but um something big happens in episode three which i want to i want to hear your take on the um there's a flashback to 500 years earlier um when we you know we get to meet uh, what's what is his name? Old Monk is that his name? Oh, is it Munch? I is it Munch? It's Munch, right? Munch. I'm thinking. I've, I've been reading it too much. And um, but what did you, were you jarred by that? I mean, it is jarring and, and it's purposefully jarring. What did you? What was your first takeaway on that? I'm just curious. It was beautiful storytelling. Yeah. It was jarring. It was like, oh, we're doing something new now. Hmm. But. Um, it immediately let you know we are not in a normal world dealing with a normal person and things are going to go, you know, sideways. They, you don't think you know what's coming next because you don't. And I, and I think it set us up for that expectation of, all right, just eyes wide open. We never know when we sit out what's coming next or what's around the next corner. Yep. You know, Absolutely. I, I thought it was, um, creepy man it was oh, it was creepy it was creepy and in, in all the best ways yep. you know and and the way he was eating the food and how hungry he was and then and then immediately you know the you know the sickness that took out hold of him from those sins just um a sin eater that's an interesting job yeah i i, I looked that up obviously it was a thing Sin eating was a thing back in the day. It's crazy what was a thing back in the day. When you look at old medicine and old traditions. It's nuts. It was um, Noah, when he was talking about it a little bit, I forget the article where I read it. He was like, he, he knew how audacious it was. And he was just like, he's like, I put it in the middle of a scene. And he was, you know, in the middle of a scene. And he was hoping that it's, it's audacity was its strength. The fact that like, you know, he threw it out there in a, in a, in, in a way that's like, you know, it's not subtle. And he was hoping that's what like would really, really stick with it. And now when you watch the whole thing, and I'm I'm already so excited to talk about the finale, we'll get there really soon. But um it just it 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 set up something so special that I didn't see coming. And it it took going back those five hundred years and meeting this weird, weird character to get there. Something else was happening that really got me in this episode. And um, you know, I, I thought Lorraine's character can I just interject something? Because he's a sin eater, right. but all along you see the sins of the people, the generational sin of of what has been handed down from all the characters, what they're inheriting and what they're carrying, and and even John Hamm's uh -huh. character, son of a sheriff who was a son of a sheriff yep. who was America's sheriff. You know, he he was created from you know the sin of his father that was handed down to him and the sin of his father that yeah, was handed yeah down. So, oh, um, i didn't draw that line between them at all a lot of generational sin you know going on over the years from yeah even look at um you know john ham's second wife's father you yeah. know what, what what he was going on with there yeah yeah wow. yep no thank you for thank you for that, throwing that in there i was going to steer us towards um just Lorraine really, really got me and just how Jennifer Jason Lee played it so coldly. And there was there was multiple things that she represented to me, but one was just like kind of entitlement. And just like it just and there's something that she really said in this one was kind of the um the way she like kind of treated the idea of police really got me. Because if you learn more, you know, I respect police, of course, but uh, you know, learn more about police, the history of policing. It's often, you know, police is police have been used over time to protect capital, to protect rich people, and she, I mean, it, it, she, 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 she says blatantly, their job is to separate those who have money, class, and intellect from those that don't. And she's really, she's really driving that home. That like, what are you doing here if not to protect me to the police? And like that, this kind of it keeps coming up again this idea of what the police are and what the police are to her and what she's entitled to with her money and i think that was another timely thing that 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 he spoke to at all was that that idea getting you at all the the idea of entitlement an idea of privilege i mean you, we oh, saw it. i just saw that as reality this is just no question 
this reality and the totally. way we are. This is a this is part of the world that we all know, whether we yep. talk about it or not. I did find, you know, she was a character like John Hamm's character, who was um, she was at the beginning. She was even easier to hate than John Hamm because he was such highfalutin and had nipple rings, right? It's <laughs> got to have some sort of redeeming quality. He's got nipple rings, right? But um, she was just like, oh, she's just, she's a bitch. There is no oh. other. She is just an yep. A number one cold hearted bitch. Yep. But her arc in the story changed. Wow. And I love the way her story changed. So yeah, I, I won't jump ahead, but I did I did love seeing the development of her character. She never totally. she never changed, but yet she did. You know what I mean? Yeah, she, there's a moment. There's a moment yeah, in, in episode six yeah. when she was talking to Indara. And, and am I saying that right, Indara? The uh, the police officer who ends up working for him. But um it just yeah, that uh she was so hateable. And like you said, she's a bitch. But it, there was times where even when you were hating her, I kind of liked the way she was playing some of these other like entitled men. Like you just like never saw any of this coming, yeah. especially right. from a woman. That right. was yeah, I was fi I find fun in that. Dinner with the bankers, and I'm jumping ahead to another one. No, but please, I, please, we can jump around too. I don't mean to be so structured. With the bankers going, oh yep. no, it's not going to go this way. Probably. It's this way, you know. Exactly, just telling yeah. them exactly how it's going to be, and even even uh, when she talks to um, in episode five, she's talks to Roy and yeah. uh, that's I mean that episode's great it's called the tiger it's got like dots escape but she she when she says um you know you're fighting for your right to be a baby that's yeah. amazing the way she set that up it's mind-blowing who expected that line he goes I'm a I forget what he said yep. like the yeah. president I get to do what I want like the president or something like that she goes no like a baby like you then, have no price to pay no and expect everything to come to you and and my god she bested him she, she bested, bested him. him even he was just like you know you send that up is it just your money or have you or have you ever been this high and mighty their their back and forth was so yeah. great that was that 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 was one of my favorite episodes that yeah. i mean sorry scenes when they were talking right there um even in episode four right beforehand um the way she entered the hospital uh, just demanding things that just showed her privilege in a crazy way, demanding the best rooms and the best rights. And people are just like, you're going to need to check in, you know, you're going to need to check I, in. It's like a flashback to succession where you yeah. saw a whole lot of that. Right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's the, how that other half lives yeah. and how they think they should be treated. It was um, in episode four. It was real fun to see. I already mentioned the, um, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, but I was wondering how, if Tim Burton, you know, knew how amazingly his masks were being used, you know, his Jack mask and the mask in general. And he did, he, he had to sign off on the whole thing. Tim Burton was oh, signed off. Did yeah, he? he had to yeah. sign off. They had to, they reached out and they had some mutual friends and they were able to get that approved. And it just looked, looked so, so good. I love when, um, when Dot's fighting back. That was that? one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, just for all the color yeah. and the trick or treating Visually. and the people that you see that you think are bad people, but they're you know you don't know they're not bad people you know. So uh, that Halloween's and costumes, fun stuff. It really worked. I love her daughter was really into. Oh, mom! Doing yeah, doing the house. You know, <laughs> we'd be trapping the house with her. It was all good. It was really, really great. No, that episode's really, really, really special. Um, so we talked a little bit about ep episode five, Tiger, Doc, Doc Escaping, and Roy in the Rain. There was another scene, and this is what we already alluded to, in episode six called The Tender Trap, um, where uh, Indara was talking to Lorraine, and it was, it was really a turning point for Lorraine that led to her thing. She actually mentioned to Lorraine how much her and Dot have in common. And that's a big pivotal point in this whole thing. It changed, you know, the way Lorraine, um, you know, was was looking at at Dot and looking at the situation. And she gained just from that idea. She gained respect from her. That was really cool. Yeah, and she she explained to her what Dot had had to get away from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love I love the way she talked to her too. It's like you think you're, you think. Um, 
you're rich because you're better than me but you know you just but you have to know that like it's that's not you and dot are like the same it just really that that was super super pivotal and that was the, that was the same episode where you were talking about with the bankers where she really let him, let them have it that's the tender trap which is the tender trap i believe was the strip club in it where they the guy that that was getting yelled at in it um episode seven it's uh, linda has two of the most incredible storytelling techniques i've seen on television like this just back to back which i thought was amazing um david risdell who i'd like to give a big shout out to he plays wayne the husband david's david's someone i know well he uh he i know him from up here in the city he's actually played basketball on my basketball team oh my god um, yeah riz is what we usually call him back in the day he's um he's a good really close friend with one of the my friends i grew up with they do improv together i've seen him do improv many many times uh like i said he's been on my basketball team for years um but he's been doing so well these days i've seen him in a bunch of roles leading up to this one but seeing him in this one uh, you know, just absolutely crushing it in this bigger role. Was was really, really special. Does um, he know how much everyone loves him? I hope so. <laughs> All the women in America are yes. now husband just like him, you know? Yep. It is so cute. He's it's so, so cute. He did such a good job and just like the 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 um you know the way he was so pivotal in that final scene too and I'm, I'm already so excited just to get get there but in this one it starts out when he's reading this non-existent book to his daughter and they start talking about dot as a superhero and kind of like that started setting up you know kind of leading us to what we've been dying to know her backstory and that steered us towards another storytelling technique where they use the puppets to tell her backstory. And this is just genius stuff. I mean, yeah. when I'm just like, just looking at it and like Noah Hawley and his team and everyone, this is, they are geniuses. This is, this is top tier storytelling and just using different, different ideas and mediums to tell the story. It felt so novel and it just, it, it was awesome. what do you think? It's brave to the, this, yes. This episode and this scene to go in that direction and uh, just like the one where they went 500 years back, yeah. those two things were very brave choices yep. to step outside the box, you yep. know, what people expect. And I think it did such a better job of explaining Dot's situation than if she had just told that story to someone or you know, just, yeah, been replaying it. It was, and it, and it also had a lot to do with where Dot was at and with her character and with what yeah. she needed to face and realize and deal with, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And we had to learn we had to learn more about Linda too. It, mm -hmm. it was essential to know more about the the you know uh, Gator's mom who who ran away and his, his other wife. It was all it was all super, super crucial. It's um yeah, it's 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 I just I don't know these flashbacks can only do so much and we see them all the time and they, they hit i mean it's obviously or there's episodes where you just you know exists in the back and i've just never seen anything like this i just it was it was smart and i love that you said brave it is it's it was super out of out of left field and it just just absolutely um landed i just it's can we back only, for a what? minute can we back up for a minute we have just, to if okay. you have something to say we have to let's do it Let's talk about Joe Carey and Gator and yes. his character from the moment he's on the screen with his green vape. Mm -hmm. I loved seeing him play this character. And I yep. know that is a spillover. All those emotions are spilled over from Stranger Things. Absolutely. We yeah. both already love him. We both I already love him. That, but it's <laughs> like, yay, Gator. And, and just so hoping that he's going to turn the corner and, and, um, not die and that he's going to be a better person so i just want to say how much i enjoy are you him. rooting for him because he's i mean he's he is he is one of the villains you know initially he's definitely he's, you know a little bratty kid of his but it turns out you know it's he's a he's 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 really not a villain at the end of the day he's a tragic character he is he's a product of his environment his dad he was raised in a cult yeah he was he was fully raised in a cult and it's it's funny to kind of like find all these parallels between current times and not Noah uh, Holly. He's not he's not afraid to say he had Don Jr. in mind, kind of the 
you know, it, he tries to get his father's respect the whole time and doesn't never ever has his father's respect. And he was a tragic character that you, you end, ended up having sympathy for at the end. And I didn't, you know, I was rooting for something like that to happen, but he was such a, such a punk kid in the beginning that you didn't know oh, if you were going to be I, able to get there. I think I have too much spillover love for the character yeah. who became in Stranger Things. Yeah. But if I stepped outside of that and thought about not even knowing him or knowing him as an actor, the goofiness, he was he was such a, a comedic break in, yeah. in the way that he would deliver things about sitting in the car or the yeah. way he would smoke his vape. Holy. It, yeah, he was he was just uh, comic relief when things. He would change the tone. He would absolutely change the tone. Yeah. Not say, you know what? Um, episode eight has, and I was just gonna go there because I just think it's one of the funniest moments ever. It's the three candidates with the same name. <laughs> that was kind of like we haven't mentioned Dave Foley yet. Dave Foley as as her lawyer. It was what a cool little role for him. Yes, and this was the episode where he really got to shine. Set, yes. setting that whole thing up how that was hilarious and then you know it, he did that uh, actually happened in a country tell me really I, I meant to look it up before uh -huh. we spoke and i didn't get a chance to go back and go where was that it was not america but it was another country what? one did exactly that and they had three imitators show up at the debate and I don't know if that's where Noah Hawley got the idea or if it was just one of those freaky things where fiction imitates life. But uh, that was that was a hoop. That was, you know, Ooh. yeah, it, he he cracked him. He he couldn't maintain. Yeah. <laughs> the way they were just repeating his lines, it was just executed so, so well. And it was, um, you know, I always thought we were going to have like an amazing David Foley and um, John Hamm team scene when they t when those two got together but Roy wasn't playing at this point that's I mean that was another one of his like kind of like that was maybe his most menacing look at the whole time when when he said if you're so smart then why are you so dead <laughs> to yes. him yes that was that was that was nasty and also that episode that was blanket episode eight when Dot got hit by the car that was that was that I mean, not only visually did they pull that off, I I like went back and watched that truck hit the car, hit her multiple times, and it just looked real as can be. But it's just one of those things that you didn't see coming. That um that type of humor though with the three candidates, it really I love when they inject that that Cohen brothers, like truly harvesting what made Cohen Brothers movies so funny and just really bring it in. It's so so wonderful that this series is still so Coen Brothers inspired, even as we get into, you know, this fifth season. It's just that humor is, that's that level and that type of humor. I love to appreciate this with people who are going, yes, absolutely, Coen Brothers, Coen <laughs> Brothers sensibility. That's what we're talking about. So that makes my life sweeter. <laughs> And to have conversations with you and other people who are who are definitely kind of on the inside of the story, you know. Well, Coen Brothers are my favorite. I'm excited. I think Ethan's got a movie on his own coming out soon. I saw a preview yeah, yeah. last last night when I was seeing Zone of Interest. Um, episode nine made me think about villains and made me think about because what was going on there is um, Munch was uh, he he had Gator on the rope, and it just like at this point oh. it, it was like you know. A villain is so scary if you're rooting for the other villain to get away from that villain. I yes. really wanted him to get away because he was just just that scary. I mean, these villains of throughout this series have just been so so good. I mean, through throughout, I mean, just the entire anthology series of it all, they just always have amazing amazing villains, and we had kind of four in this one with with Gator with Roy Munch and even like as we talked about Lorraine at times and they just all worked as as and even even um his uh his stepdad it just they all just they're just they're so scary I think of uh one of my favorites is um Vargo in season three David Thuos I, must, I always don't know if I'm saying his name right but they just do such a good job with villains and you know Coen brothers have throughout the years they have they have one of the best um in no country for old men i'm going to bring that up in a second but i just i thought about how intense these villains are in that scene and when he was dragging them and they did they they, they knocked the villain thing out of out of the park again you know what um one thing about munch is that you begin to see i think 
he's the only villain where he goes and moves in with the old lady and yeah. he just says, I live here now. I don't know why he chose her, but he yeah. just did. Maybe he'd been watching her. And for a minute you think, oh no, he's going to do something to her. But then you begin to see a different side of him where he actually is protective of her. That was the switch. About her and, you know, takes up for her with her, you know, worthless yeah. son. And um, that was the first time you see Munch as something other than, you know, a, a different level of um just a little more layered and i i don't we definitely don't get that with the father-in-law of of the sheriff and um we don't we don't get it with uh john ham's character i don't think there's ever a point where he there's no redemption there's no redemption nope. there's nope. no softness there's nope. no um there's no side of him where he ever looks in the mirror and thinks, oh, maybe I ought to be a little more something or other else, but no. Yeah, ab yeah. absolutely. That episode also had a great, um, another reference kind of to our, to our, uh, to our times when uh, Roy was kind of rallying his troops. It was kind of like a, a standby and stand ready moment. I, I think I might've messed up that quote, but he was, it was kind of like a proud boy rallying moment in what he had there. And there was right. that joke. Beans and your bullets. Yeah, bring your beans and your bullets. Yeah, yeah. It's just a drill yeah, it's not a drill. Oh, that, drill was the, that was the line when um, some, one of the police officers were like, these guys talk about 1776 like it's Six Flags. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was really interesting to see. It was, I mean, that malicious stuff and that whole thing was, I mean, it set up. They love, you know, a big, big shootout in these series. And it really set up something, something special. Uh, that happened and and it was it was interesting to see how it all played out because it's, yeah. it's it, it, it just it's some of that feels it really hits home it's it's real real to the moment it's timely yeah, it is. do it this quick episode 10 just wow um it just you know one of the things i had to get over before i can enjoy that third act that final scene the third act which was kind of like three acts in its own with the living room the cooking and then the 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 you know, sitting at the table, but was losing wit was tough. And he was, he was, he, in a, we, I talked about the theme of debt um, and, you know, wit believed he owed dot his life, you know, rot also debt for debt. Uh, speaking of debt, excuse me, Roy thinks dot owes him. Um, you know, Lorraine got rich by taking people's debt. The idea of debt was such, such a big thing throughout, but wit was dedicated to dot. And it was also dedicated to justice and doing the right thing. And it, and it, it cost him his life uh, at the end. And, and she called him my trooper. Where's what's up in my trooper. And like the whole, that was. That was a horrible scene. That was the most realistic and devastating death scene yeah. in the show. Yep. Uh, and the fact that he stabs him right in the heart, basically. And, and the most chilling thing he says is there it is you you know you're go ahead and let it go because you're dead already sort of thing i forget but it was it was oh i it hurt me it hurt me you know because you yeah. see you see a good person going you know just trying to do the right thing and going down you know yeah yeah it's it's it, that, no it it messed with me I, I didn't realize how much i liked the character i knew he was you know super good person and like there's a lot of not good people in this world and seeing someone that's really pure purely good and even people who are good are complicated and have done messed up things and he just seemed so good but yeah there was a great line in too about debt that when she was starts talking to um um too much that you know about debt and let's start getting into that scene but he was she was like debt should be forgiven um isn't that what we should be and i just love that idea because so many people think about debt as as holding something over someone and she was just kind of turning the tables but that's what happened in that scene that there's this amazing weird peculiar uh, ending to the show and we talked about similarities between two odd people lorraine and dot i love this a great article vanity fair article noah holly really gets into the ending and he talks about how both um you know both of dot and munch had so much similarities in their suffering and what was so beautiful, and you alluded to it right off the bat, which I thought was really amazing, that 
he did let his abuse define him. And I guess he, he saw no other choice in it. And he kind of had this mission of, you know, how to live his life. But she throughout this whole thing, and I think that's why we all love Dot, she didn't let it define her. And then she was trying to share that with him, that this doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be this way. And that's kind of what she was doing with him and talking to him. And you're right, there was a changing and we can finally see some empathy in this like kind of monster's eyes and see some understanding. And, and, and it had been a long time since anybody surprised him. And Dot was surprising him and kind of like it, like sparking something in him in a major way. And, and, and were you feeling that same thing? Yeah, but I, and I, and I liked it for a couple of reasons. She made that choice, even though she could have fought him and potentially bested him because she had tricks up her sleeve and she seemed, did. you know, able to escape. And that's the reason he, he saved her so that he could fight her fairly on even ground, the two yeah. of them, yeah. you know, um, that yeah, was, there was a respect there. That was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I like that it didn't happen immediately where he goes, Oh, you're right. You know, he, how he kept stumbling back to, no, I, I have to do this. You know, I have to, and she's like, no, and you're standing in the way you need to move over here and wash your hands, you know? And that was masterful. That dance between him sitting on the sofa, all yep. the steps and the conversation through the kitchen to the table you know, and the, and the, and I, and I like the fact that they didn't let it be about John Hamm and the shootout, which I was expecting it to be more about the big shootout, the sheriff, the big finale, the yeah. big, you know, all that happening. And that would be the end. And instead they brought it back to Minnesota nice. They brought it back to yeah. it's the most important things that we want to look at. Yeah, it would it was beautifully done. Beautifully, beautifully. Done. Yeah. Beautifully done. Yeah. It and was she, so... she turned him. You know, I mean yeah. she that just smile at the end, that creepy smile was he turned. Smile, yeah, but it was a joyful smile. He, he sure, was, absolutely he love for the first time in over yeah. five hundred years. Yeah. What did you think? about the story that he gave about how he got to America and about the Native American tribe that was his people. And, you know, what did you think about that just, whole story? I just, it just was just, it, it just brought this empathy out. I just, it was, the whole thing was devastating. Just like, I mean, not only did he have to, he didn't speak for, that's what that, like he didn't speak for hundreds of years and just like this, having to live, you know, it's kind of like when you watch these vampire shows and you think about like, oh, that'd be cool. It's not cool to have to live through so many hardships and so much loss around you and pain and this burden that he's carrying that the, his whole journey was devastating to me. And that's why just seeing, that's also seeing that that change in him was so enlivening. And, and just, it's, 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 it felt good to watch him you know, as as strange as it was, and 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 the you know what was so great about it, the levity in that scene, you know that that um, David Risdale was really bringing to it, and the daughter was bringing to it. You know how interested she was, the way he was explaining it, and that's Noah Hawley explaining it. They never let, they forced him to be in their scene, in their world. He was because he kept going to like he would start answering in a very serious place. And like taking things in a darker place and they just weren't having it that's not what that's not this was dinner this was they were they had their plans you're in our world now and it just that was that like really brought it home that that levity and it made it made it so you understood how we can get to that place it was interesting though i do want to point this because i'm such a no country for old man uh fan that she you know kind of the it wasn't over idea because this is amazing scene um in no country for old men where it's Kelly McDonald is sitting there and, and Anton Shakur comes and she's just like, I knew this wasn't over. And it's the same type of thing. And it really, that really, really got me. But I love what you said about how it could have been about John Hamm and the shootout and, and what that all meant to the season. And this weird turn as, as unique as it was brought a heart to it, uh, brought, a, brought, brought just this unique, um, kind of hope to it. And that Fargo is not always full of this type of hope as a show. I think also Jennifer Jason Lee's character yes. 
going to the prison to tell him yes. this is because now, and he's like, oh, when I open, I'm I'm king of the jungle in here. Yep. You know, I'm still on top of everything. Kiss my ass. And she was like, oh, no, you're not. You think you are. Mm -hmm. And in this, this place, she takes her influence and her money that she's made from all these people with debt. And she starts forgiving a whole lot of debt. Yep. So they then are indebted to her yep. to such a way, but she is forgiving. Again. And because of that, he's going to pay the price Oof. for the sentence. And boy, is he going to pay, you know, and it, it takes, uh, it takes a minute for that to register with him that there's nowhere that you can hide. And she does it not for herself, but for Dot and all the women that he has that assaulted and abused, and you know, so glad you brought to everything that they have yeah. felt from you, you know. Yeah. So didn't she, Lorraine and just another heartfelt kind of conclusion? Didn't Lorraine say to Dot? Didn't he say, "My girl"? Like, yeah, she, girl. Yes. Yeah. Just like that's that arc that you were describing earlier, ending kind of in those two moments was amazing. But it also shows how people that you may disagree with or you may not like, or you may think are super bitch or whatever. Yeah. But it's good to have those people on your side. <laughs> it's good to have those people say, not my girl. And yeah. and to have um, her, to to see a different level of who she was capable of being. And, I, and so I thought that was a great redemptive moment for that particular character, you know, Absolutely. that I hated so much at the beginning, you know. So glad it just both of those both of those kind of conclusions just yeah. were so full of hope heart they just they what a season what a season Un, what a unbelievable season. um i just i'm thank you for kind of walking through the season with me and we missed so much goodness too because there was so goodness i love um i love uh in that article um that i mentioned the vanity fair one what and it kind of closes us, brings us to like a closing moment here too. Uh, Noah said he believed that this was the right story for the moment. There was something about Dot's refusal to surrender to the forces that were trying to, you know, uh, uh, you know, put her in a cage and put her down that really resonated with people. And that was like kind of the appeal. And I think that's right. I think like her fighting against, you know, the idea that we're all against each other and then fighting against these these forces that are just, malicious and trying to just put her in a box and she wouldn't be put in that box that was that's it, it all hit with us it's a it's a message for all of us and i really yeah. think sitting down around a table whether it's biscuit biscuits or just drinking wine and you know breaking bread or drinking schlitz or whatever you know i don't even know if they make that beer anymore but um you know that i think i think that's the answer and it's amazing how when you do that the power of story that brings us together instead of ripping us apart. And I think that's what, you know, Fargo five did so well use that power of story to yeah. illustrate the potential that we have as human beings, ultimately over evil, you know, that should be forgiven. And we saw the power of being nice to each other and love being loving to somebody can, can, can change them can affect their life. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's a cool message. I didn't think, when Fargo starts, and I'd I never imagined Fargo could be this good of an, an anthology series. What a, what I just, the things they are doing. But when the season started, I didn't think we'd be ending our conversation here talking about the power of niceness and <laughs> hope of being kind to each other and, and really, really what that means. So this was fun. Any closing thoughts there, River? That's it. I just, yep. uh, more more of the good stuff just more bring it let's spread the love let's spread the bisquick and what were they eating with the bisquicking chili and bisquick is that it chili no one i can't imagine anyone ever <laughs> but uh, but you know what we did we did the wrap party for fargo it got yep. on the rocks and we did chili and biscuits and <laughs> you know yeah, hey two great things and you put them together how could it go wrong right exactly well check out that god on the rocks it's a great companion piece to this Spread the nice around people. River, thank you so much for uh, uh, taking the time to talk about Fargo season five with me. Always a pleasure. And thank you everyone out there for once again, joining the party.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.